The epistles from Romans chapter 12. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by, doing, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Paul writes to the Romans, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. There are, let's be honest, let's be frank, some difficult passages in the Bible, difficult for people to accept, difficult for them to take the heart to heart, to put into practice, to believe and celebrate. A lot of people, when it comes to this category of Bible passages, focus on the Old Testament and all of the blood spilt in the Old Testament, not just the animal sacrifices, but the blood of nations, of individuals on behalf of God, all of the killing. They have a hard time with that, and a hard time, as they say, with a God who would allow and even command such killing. As far as hard passages go, other people focus on the miracles. They say, well, I just don't know if I can believe this story. This story in the Bible about turning so few fish and loaves into so many for so many people to eat. The story of Lazarus being raised from the dead after four days to say nothing of Jesus' own resurrection. They hear the miracles, and they consider them hard, and they say, how can? How can this happen? How is this real and scientific? And so on. But the passage I began with this morning from Romans, I think this passage is right up there with difficult passages, as far as most people concerned, hard passages from the Bible for people to accept. We know from the Gospels that Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for your persecutors. Well, that's difficult enough, but here we have Paul to the Romans going on and compounding it, making it even harder, making it even worse. Don't even avenge yourself, he says. Treat your enemies well. Now, we can understand, really, I think most of us can if we stop, that the God of the Old Testament can indeed himself kill people and command his people to kill people, which it is all over the Old Testament. He's God, after all. And as far as that goes, he can also, if he's God, do miracles. He can heal anybody he wants if he wants to, if he made the world out of nothing. It's not that hard for us to get our minds around that. Walk on water, sure, Son of God can do that. But forgive my enemies? Uh-uh. you got to be joking. You must be kidding. Show mercy to those who hate me? No way. Nevertheless, that is what the Apostle instructs us. And if we would ourselves confess Christ before men in the world, we should listen and we should follow and do. Now, I need, and I always need to do this, whenever 
a pastor talks about this and passages like this, you've got to have that qualification, and it is an important one to have. There's a fundamental misunderstanding about this brief passage from Romans 12 and other similar ones. God, through His Apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is not telling you that you've got to be a doormat in life to be a Christian. If you're going to be a Christian, you just got to let the world walk all over you. A lot of people do think that, though. They read this passage and other passages like it. And they think that it is a command to be a pushover and to let the evil people in your life prosper and have their way 11 times out of 10. But that's not so. The earliest Christians all the way to the Reformation and to today have understood the meaning of these passages. It is lawful, good, and righteous. For example, for a Christian to serve in the military, and not just the military where he's like a cook or something like that, but to be in the infantry, to be a tank driver, to be a gunner. The war is just. That is a just, righteous, and good vocation. Christians have understood, at least the ones that understand what God's Word says on these things, it's good and right to be a police officer or someone else who must, at times, use force to maintain righteousness and order in a community. And even this one, it is righteous and good for you as a private citizen if the time and situation calls for it to use force, even deadly force, to defend yourself and the dear people that God has placed in your life for you to love and protect against violent men. Otherwise, we know what would happen. You just have to have two brain cells, and each of them with a little common sense to understand if none of those things that I just said were true, then we would live in a complete chaotic and lawless society where evil reigned. By inaction, by refusing to do harm, to defend our neighbor, it would be a chaotic place to live indeed. Pacifists are certainly confused by this passage and similar ones, and their confusion and wherever they have gotten their way, it has indeed led to much evil in homes, communities, and countries in the world. So no, the Bible here is not rejecting, Paul is not rejecting and denying all violence or even restitution. But what he is saying is that we should not exact revenge out of spite inside of us for wrongs that are done to us. We understand that life in this world includes being harmed and, more common, sinned against by other people. Sometimes it is strangers, people you don't know. I don't know. Being cut off in traffic isn't exactly being harmed, and really it's probably not even a sin, but that's kind of what we think of when stuff like that. But really, I think more often it is family and friends, people we know that we're close to, that we live in this sense that we are sinned against by. And anybody who says that they themselves, you yourself, have never really actively or largely sinned against another person, your vision's blurry, okay? Take your spiritual glasses off, clean them on, put them on, look at yourself in the mirror of God's law, and get a better sense of who you are. We sin against others, they sin against us. That's the daily life in this world that God has put us in. 
And it is usually with those we see the most in life, those closest to us. And so the question is, do we live tit for tat? Justice for everything, big and small. Do we exact justice for everything that wrong that has ever been said or done to us from these people that we live with? Whether it's real or perceived wrong. Now I think, of course, we could try our best to do that. We could live lives devoted to making sure that every slight that somebody gives me, I make sure I pay him back not just equal, but enough to where he knows not to do it again. We could repay evil for evil in every situation, insult for insult, harm for harm, loss for loss. But I think if we actually made a practice of doing that to the best ability that we could, it would not take us long to see that a close, personal, intimate relationship would be absolutely impossible to have unless you have found the unicorn, the person who does not sin, to live your life with. An eye for an eye, we know, and I don't really like Gandhi, but I think he's right about this one. An eye for an eye eventually leaves everybody blind in the end. And a blind world would only have spite left to share with each other. And plus, moreover, those people who usually do try and live this way, exacting revenge and getting back for every single little thing, are often just oblivious to their own shortcomings. See, they're not doing unto others as they have them do unto them because they don't realize how bad they actually are to others. They see their neighbor's specks but ignore their own logs. No. The better solution is not to impose a standard of just, righteous vengeance that we ourselves couldn't carry if the cannon was turned around on us, but rather let's live as the Lord through His servant Paul enjoins us to live. To seek to live righteously with our neighbor, charitably, in mercy and grace, and when it comes down to it, let the satisfaction be God's. Let Him get what is His. It's right and good for us to live this way first, and obviously because the Bible does tell us to. It says so, right here. And second, because when we do live that way, we can actually have homes, relationships, workplaces, communities, and even a nation that can flourish when it's governed not by justice and vengeance of the worst kind, but by grace and mercy. And third, we ought to do our best as Christians to live this way as a living confession in our, of our faith in a righteous God who will always, and says he always does, have our backs. Epiphany, the season that we are in right now, is a season about manifesting the glory of the incarnate God and Jesus Christ in the flesh. Well, friends, I think that we ourselves manifest the glory of Jesus Christ in the flesh when we live this way, according to his word and precepts. Think about it. He has not exacted revenge from you, vengeance upon you, for your sins that made him go to the cross, but has instead shown grace and every mercy to you. Let us then point to that wonderful fact and our hope in it by showing the same pardon, mercy, charity, patience, and all the rest to our neighbor who sins against us. Amen.